a listener production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Join us each week as we break down one issue in global politics so that you can understand what's going on in the world right now and what's likely to happen in the future. Our host, Dr Keith Souter, is one of Australia's leading commentators on global affairs and geopolitics. My name is Sasha Tannock. I'm a journalist. And Keith, today we're looking at Amazon and its power and impact on America. So first, let's paint a picture of just how much influence Amazon has on American life. Yeah, so the book that I'm look, I've am been reading is by Alec McGillis, published in Australia by Scribe, called Fulfillment, Winning and Losing in One Click America. The Amazon story is an amazing story. So um, Jeff Beatsos, who came up with the idea, is truly a genius. And that's not, not to say that I'm endorsing what he's about, but one has to recognise talent when you see it. And he clearly has got genius. So he started off in the business of selling books. Books are good because they don't uh, go off, unlike trying to sell fruit or whatever. And he has then expanded it. He's now the second largest uh, civilian employer in the United States behind Walmart. Um, So it's a really remarkable success story. Most books that are written um, about Amazon deal with the genius of uh, Jeff Beitsos and how he was able to put together such a big corporation. This book by Alec McGillis is based on looking at what Amazon has actually done to the United States or is doing to the rest of the world. And so it's a really a social study. It's not a business study. It's not an economic study. It's really an impact of the social impact. Now, clearly there are winners and losers, as he suggests with the subtitle, Winning and Losing in One Click America. On the one hand, you've got people who've been able to um, get good jobs uh, working for Amazon. If you're in the white-collar worker uh, in the service sector, designing computers, et cetera, for Amazon, that sort of thing. On the other hand, if you're uh, an ordinary worker in one of his um, warehouses, it's a pretty difficult life. For workers adapt or they quit or they get fired. And each person is monitored. Uh, So if you take too long to have a bathroom break, for example, you could find yourself being pushed out of the organisation. It's an organisation that does not approve of unions. I find the debate over unions in the United States generally just bizarre. You know, we we won that battle in Britain 100 years ago and here in Australia, but in the United States, they're having to refight all those battles, particularly in all the new tech industries. And so we, we, we hear these horrific stories of uh, people, not just with Amazon workers, but, you know, people working in a lot of these new industries who just get very badly treated. And it's, it's a really haunting book from the point of view of ordinary people who um, uh, just get work, work to exhaustion, really. And, of course, a lot of them are sort of called um, uh, self-employed, so they're not necessarily getting good health cover. So it's quite bizarre the way in which the workers get optimised to the point of exhaustion. And you talk about the workers and the difference between the white-collar and blue-collar workers, but what does it mean when it references the uh, geographical remapping of wealth and with it the power that Amazon has brought about? So we're not specifically talking about the growing gap between the rich and the poor, but actually this growing gap between different regions in the countries that that are winning or losing depending on Amazon's influence. That's right. So um, in areas where you've got, uh, if you like, the high-end Amazon work, which is obviously the computer systems, et cetera, 
they clearly do very well and they recruit a, a small number of, of the white-collar workers or probably T-shirt workers um, to do the work. But um, if you go to the poorer areas of America where people are desperate for work, that's where you put your giant warehouses and you then get state governments to compete with each other to get favourable tax treatment and other treatment in order for you then to install these warehouses. So that's where you're getting this disjuncture. So you've got the uh, white-collar workers who are on the West Coast, but then you've got a lot of the blue-collar workers, uh, the actual people looking after the fulfilment, they're in uh, run-down rural areas where people are eager to have any sort of employment and where they really don't get much of a choice. And so, therefore, they, they end up working for Amazon and they and they get worked very hard. And, I mean, there are a lot of employees. It's the second biggest private workplace in the U.S. after Walmart, an estimated 800,000 people they employ. Many of them are never going to actually set foot in the Seattle headquarters, but they're spread across <laughs> these warehouses often. That's right. That's exactly it. So they won't get to Seattle, which is up on the West Coast, a very nice part of the United States. They are in their own rural areas and uh, working very hard. That, yep, you're right. It's, that's, the, that's the geography which is now developing in the United States. And, of course, a lot of those people then end up voting for Donald Trump. They feel neglected by the inner city elites um, who are being bought off by the big tech companies and the big finance sector, et cetera. And so the workers uh, who were traditionally Democrat supporters are supporting the much more conservative Republican candidates now. And what about when we talk about small sellers or retailers, what kind of impact has Amazon had on these uh, retailers when it comes into these small towns, often um, swallowing them up essentially? That's right. So uh, Amazon can then promise uh, people, um, if you're a purchaser you know, over the counter, that uh, you can buy things more cheaply because Amazon is so big that it can use its massive purchasing power. We see that, by the way, here in Australia. You know, whenever I go into a big departmental store uh, and I read about uh, the price of milk has come down, it's not because of the generosity of the store owners. It's because of the way in which they've just put pressure on the milk producers, forcing them to drive down their prices of milk. And, and that's basically how Amazon or any other big corporation operates, that they can use their massive buying power to be able to decide they can buy a lot of let's say, items of stationery, uh, so they can then offer them to people cheaper than in the local store. So that's one aspect. The other thing, of course, is if they're buying in bulk from the suppliers, they use their massive purchasing power to be able to say to the suppliers, we want you to give them to us at a lower price or else you don't do any sales at all. And this is um, obviously very difficult for the manufacturers and it's difficult for local retail suppliers, retail outlets who are trying to compete against Amazon. And, of course, a lot of people who will be buying on Amazon would say, well, look, I'm getting something which is cheaper, more convenient to get, et cetera. It's delivered right to my home. But they're inadvertently destroying the jobs and livelihoods of a lot of other people by just going for the cheapest option. And, in fact, that process is something that is focused on in this book. They talk about the word fulfilment, which is the term for the work done inside Amazon's warehouses. But they also talk about, uh, the author McGillis points out, that uh, people who are actually buying these things are actually looking for that fulfilment with the click. 
That's right. And, of course, it, it's a reflection, I guess, of consumer society that you want to be able to buy things quickly uh, and cheaply because somehow you need them. Um, it is interesting, I've got to say, in fairness to a lot of Americans, that there is a movement against high rates of consumerism. I think that during this pandemic through which we've had to exist, people are, are re-evaluating where their lives are going and whether they do need to buy so many consumer goods, particularly if they're not earning the same level of money. But yes, the fulfilment is this idea that you're supplying people with what they want and they will therefore feel fulfilled, uh, except, of course, that uh, pretty quickly you, you need to go out and buy something else. You're listening to Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. I'm Sasha Tannock and Keith, today we're talking about Amazon and its power and impact on America. Now, you mentioned the pandemic. What about the COVID-19 pandemic and the impact it has had on online shopping and Amazon's profits? Clearly, they've gone through the roof. But at the other end of the scale, you've had a lot of frontline workers who have been affected by the pandemic or may even have been laid off or had to take time off for COVID. So you've, again, got this disparity. Yeah, so some of the richest people in the United States, including Jeff Bezos, are actually richer now because of the pandemic than they were before the pandemic struck. So there's certainly a lot more money. You know, we've seen governments, in fact, encouraging people to have stuff delivered to their homes, including food, rather than risking going out into the stores to buy the food. So on the one hand, uh, there's uh, this cost of convenience, if you like. There's a human cost of what it does to fellow workers, but others are saying, no, I need to have that convenient supply of food or books or whatever um, you're going to get, uh, depending on whom you're buying stuff from. So that that's one side of it. The other side is that in the Amazon warehouses, the focus is on continuing to work hard. And the dilemma in the United States, because they do not have a good health system, um, is that if you're feeling unwell, nonetheless, you turn up for work because if you don't work, you don't get money. You're not going to get sick leave. And that means, therefore, that there's this risk of spreading, or in this case, COVID, amongst your uh, co-workers because you can't afford to be at home. And given the nature of the work that's done in the Amazon warehouses, there's a lack of social distancing. And so, uh, you know, you do get these areas where not only in Amazon, but you get them in other locations um, where people are working in close proximity to one another. They just spread the COVID illness. So that's the, they're the two sides. So COVID on the one hand has made Jeff Bezos and a few other individuals in America much richer. Uh, it's made life more convenient for many people uh, living in the United States or in, in Australia. But at the same time, it's also had a human cost to this convenience, given the impact that it's had on ordinary workers in the United States. And when you look at the book and how it's looking at addressing the imbalances with the distribution of wealth, it does seem like a very big problem to solve. But it has been suggested that serious workplace reforms could actually be a first step in terms of addressing the workers' conditions that you've mentioned. Absolutely. And this is not just an Amazon issue. This is a, a more general issue across the United States um, the United States has always been unusual in the Western world because um, it, it is the only Western country that has never had a majority of its workers in the trade union movement. Now, 
trade union movements are in decline in throughout the Western world, and and you know the unions are seen as being unfavourable towards young people, and also women. So there is a reaction against unions, even here in Australia or the United Kingdom. But in the US, they never really did take hold. And I think one of the reasons then why we end up with these horrific stories that you can read about in books like McGillis. I've got to say McGillis has written a book which is not just a study of Amazon. It's a study generally of trying to work in the United States, uh, particularly if you're a blue-collar worker. And I think that what we're looking at then is this suggestion uh, that we can somehow try to revive the trade union movement as a way of trying to stand up to the bosses in the companies. Now, people running the um, the trade unions would obviously welcome that, but the problem is that a lot of people still are hesitant about joining unions and the nature of work has itself changed. We need to, I think, revisit this whole issue of work because COVID has again shown how much things have changed. But in the old days, the trade union movement worked uh, in Australia or the United Kingdom or France. It worked when you had people who were in one place of employment Monday to Friday, say, nine to five. So, And we, that's still the case today. So you get um, the big um, unions in the auto industry, automobile industry uh, in the United States, obviously the teaching industry here in Australia. Uh, they have unions. Whereas the nature of work nowadays increasingly is no longer Monday to Friday, nine to five. Um, I haven't worked that way for 30-odd years. And I'm a good example of a gig worker who can then make money out of just having a number of different employers at any one time. It's called multiple sources of income, MSI. Um, and I think that increasingly my style of working will become much more common than people who are working Monday to Friday, nine to five. But you need that sort of style if you're going to try to mobilise a trade union movement. And I think if you're looking, you know, what McGillis is saying is that clearly these people do need unions and Amazon is determined not to allow them to have unions. And as McGillis points out, a lot of these warehouse workers just simply don't have the power to work in that kind of gig or freelance economy, do they? No, they don't. And you know, so the, the gig economy, to which I've just mentioned, is is one which works for um, people who've got a good service background, a good education background, etc. It's going to be very difficult if you're a blue-collar worker in a part of rundown rural America it's very difficult to see a way out, which is why so many people join the U.S. Armed Forces. They, they, so if you look at the recruitment in the U.S. Armed Forces, it comes disproportionately from poor rural areas because people realise that you join the Armed Forces, um, you're going into a professional organisation and you will be able to get educational opportunities, etc. And that is their escape route. Otherwise, you're going to have to wait for a big uh, company to come through and perhaps bring some employment to you. It's a pretty grim situation, which I think helps to explain the the nastiness that we now see in American politics, that there is so much anger in America uh, because a lot of these people would have remembered their own parents living the American dream, that they had good jobs in the 50s and 60s, etc. And these people realise that they are not going to enjoy the same level of lifestyle that their parents or grandparents had enjoyed. And I think that helps to explain the anger that we see so much now throughout American politics. And in fact, you can't underestimate the influence Amazon has on American life. We've talked a lot about the workers themselves, but 
apparently more people in the US subscribed to Amazon's Prime service <laughs> than voted for either Donald Trump or Joe Biden in the past election. Uh, it was quoted as more than 100 million by yeah. recent estimates. I mean, that's quite a span of influence, isn't it? It is indeed. And I think, again, it reflects on the genius of, of Jeff Bezos that he's got around him a good group of people who know how to make money. And in, increasingly the future of America is one that is dominated by these big corporations rather than the politicians. And a net worth of uh, $201 billion US. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice take-home pay, isn't it? That was this week's episode of Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. Make sure you tune in next week when we'll break down one issue in global politics so that you can understand what's going on in the world right now and what's likely to happen in the future. Listener.